0: Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome back to Catholic Light. Thanks for joining me for another episode. This past weekend, I had one of those uh, God winks as my my friend Cynthia says, or God incidents instead of a coincidence, where just as we're hitting the point in the catechism where we talk about virtue and specifically the cardinal virtues, um, I had the privilege and joy of attending a retreat on the four cardinal virtues. So I've mentioned before that my brother, Father Gregory Maria, who is a Dominican friar for the eastern province of St. Joseph, a lot of people are familiar with Franciscans who typically wear brown robes or gray robes. He is part of the Dominicans, started by St. Dominic, and they were the white robes. So, <laughs> excuse me. So he and four other friars started, it's already been four years. Um, I forget that they started before COVID and before podcasting like really became a thing. Um, so he and four other friars started a podcast called Godsplaining, and uh, I guess a year into the podcast, they realized you can only have so much online community or only connect so much with with people through podcasting and websites and social media. And so they started, um, beautifully so, they started having annual retreats. So they do a men's retreat, they do a young adult's retreat, and then they do an all-comers retreat. So anyone, 21 and over, men, women single married etc are welcome to join and um, they had one pretty close to our house and so I'm the oldest of, of four adult children all four kids pine kids and then our our spouses were able to attend so it was it was really fun and um, just a really great experience for a number of reasons um, but one of those many reasons are the is the insights um, the the truth bombs, the, the beautiful things that were, were placed before us throughout the weekend. So um, first, one of the, the friars, Father Bonaventure Chapman, preached, I think it was the Saturday morning homily. Oh, it was on the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And he talked about how scripture references a number of times or says a number of times that the Blessed Mother kept all these things in her heart. So Mary kept these things in her heart, and oftentimes I think we picture and what the the Church teaches is that the Blessed Mother was a contemplative. So she she witnessed the life of Christ. She not only helped, she not only gave birth, conceived, gave birth, and uh, you know raised Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. But knowing that he was God, uh, she she contemplated him, his words and actions, and his therefore a model of Christianity for all of us. So oftentimes when we hear that in scripture and she held these things in her heart, we picture the quiet, contemplative, blessed mother who just kind of like ruminates on, meditates on, reflects on these things that she observes in her son and hears from her son. Well, Father Bonaventure said, Mary kept all these things in her heart, but they didn't stay there. And it was just like, whoa! It's just I, I thought really simple and really powerful. He said, you know, she she was at the wedding feast to Cana. She was at the foot of the cross. Um, she after receiving the announcement from the angel Gabriel, she went to her cousin uh, Elizabeth. So there there was no grass growing under the blessed mother's feet. She she was a contemplative, but she was also a woman on the move, um, proclaiming the gospel. Uh, in her very life, in her words, and then uh, how she interacted with others, being present to all these good and when we think of the, the crucifixion, these sad uh, yet powerful things. So Father Bonaventure then equated that to the, each of the friars with their talks and with the homilies during the masses throughout the weekend. They brought everything back to the four cardinal virtues, which was the the theme of the retreat. And he said, um, he said similarly, when it comes to each of us growing in virtue, we don't do that so that ah, I can become this, you know, this this good, clean. Um, you know, virtuous Christian and present myself to the Lord at the end of my life or become, you know, this, this shiny little Christian trophy to then sit on a, a shelf and be admired by others. He said, no, the, the blessed mother contemplated these things, held these things in her heart. And then she went, she, she went and, out into the world she went to other people she went to these you know events of the wedding feast at cana etc and she brought the lord she brought the fruits of her contemplation with her and so we too as as christians as men and women who grow in the cardinal virtues god willing um, we by the grace of god and by our human effort are improved are made more virtuous so that we can then bring that virtue into the world, so that we can interact with others in a virtuous way, help them be virtuous as well. Um, Why? Not because God needs a whole little row of shiny trophies on his shelf, but so that we can all live the life for which we were meant to live, that we can all live this life of beatitude, of happiness, which is brought about by knowing the truth and choosing the good. So I thought that was so good, and I've continued to, to think about that since this weekend. Second insight from the retreat um, came from the first talk on prudence, which was uh, given by my brother, Father Gregory. And he said there's this one one liner that I was just like, "Ooh, this is good. He said in speaking of growing in virtue and specifically growing in the virtue of prudence and becoming a more prudent person, which is being able to see very clearly, quickly. There there were three words when it came to living the virtuous life. It was like um, I act uh, promptly, happily, and easily, I think were the three words. Basically, we encounter a situation, we know what to do, and we choose it uh, happily and quickly. And he said, when you, you know, as you can- encounter these moral decision points and strive for the virtue of prudence so that it becomes easier to know the truth and choose the good, he said, as you encounter a choice, think not necessarily like, what should I do, but think more, who do I want to be on the other side of this moral choice? and I was just like wow that is good who do i want to be on the other side of this moral choice everything i do is both revealing or expressing who i am and it's also further defining who i am as i as i know things and i choose things i'm kind of like etching into my soul or if, if you picture yourself as like a uh, a statue or a sculpture that the, that the lord with our you know interaction is is chiseling out what what am i chiseling out in myself and what what little like delineations am i making Wh- who do i want to be on the other side of this this moral choice and i think back to a couple years ago um in the midst of covid it was actually as like covid restrictions were kind of calming down but there were still a number of restrictions on travel and I, I didn't receive the COVID vaccine, and I wanted to travel. And there was one country through which I would be traveling where they um, mandated, a, how do you call it, a clean COVID test, a negative COVID test result, basically saying that I did not have COVID. I could travel through the country. And um, for a moment, I thought about fudging the test. I thought about lying, essentially. And so I was talking to my brother, Greg, and kind of weighing out, like, how bad would this be or like is this you know a big deal if i essentially lie about this and he simply asked me he said um, or excuse me he didn't ask me he he simply said you know you you make your choice you think about it do it whatever you're going to do he said but think about what this choice is doing to you okay so you know you you, you don't have covid but it's going to take a little while to get this test to prove you don't have covid okay so other people are not going to be affected by your Lack of COVID, but how are you going to be affected by lying? I was just like, "Dang, I do not want to be a liar. I don't want to lie." And so I, I, even if that inconveniences the trip, inconveniences my my fellow travelers. Which thank you, fellow travelers, for your your patience and understanding. um, I don't want to be. I don't want to lie, and as a result, become more of a liar. And maybe that sounds a little extreme or brash, but. Um yeah, at every decision we make, it's it's revealing a little bit about who we are to the world and to ourselves and it's further defining it. So if I if I tell a little lie, as we talked about with venial sin and, and mortal sin, if I commit these small sins that are that are injuring my charity, injuring my life, my relationship with God and others, I'm weakening, weakening, weakening that charity, those relationships, so that it becomes easier to commit the big faults. And if I'm quietly and slowly and perseveringly making good decisions and strengthening that charity and strengthening each of those relationships, well, then it becomes easier and easier and easier to live the virtuous and the happy life. And so, um, again, be, even though no one was at ri- I did not have COVID and no one was at risk of getting COVID from me, um, I just, in that, that little decision, I would rather not be able to travel than um, lie. And so thank you once again, Father Gregory, for your your insight and wisdom in helping me strive for virtue. Okay, last insight. There were so many insights on the weekend, but I'll, I'll just mention one more. And that came from Father Patrick Mary Briscoe on Sunday when he he preached the, the Sunday homily as part of Mass. And uh, he started by telling this anecdote about—and um, you— I don't recall the exact date you'll you'll know the date or you can look up the date where he he was going about doing something he said I looked down at my phone and there was a text message from a fellow friar who said who had written Notre Dame is on fire. And Father Patrick this particular Dominican friar is from Indiana so he immediately thought of the university he said oh my gosh I wonder if I got the football stadium and I wonder if anybody was injured he said as he started to read the news he realized it was Notre Dame de Paris um, this beautiful cathedral in in Paris France which was burning uh, just burning to the ground sadly and he went on to talk about how it was either the chaplain or one of the priests of Notre Dame went into this burning this huge burning building where you know like things are just falling from the rafters and and things are going up in flames and the the church is filled with smoke. He went into Notre Dame to retrieve the Eucharist, to bring Jesus out of there. And um, it just makes me tear up thinking of it. it. You know, the flames were were as nothing to him so as to, you know, when it came to like securing the Lord and bringing him out of this this burning building. Father Patrick then went on in his homily to talk about um, this very sad anecdote where a man had experienced this conversion partway through his life, decided to become Catholic, went through RCIA, received the sacraments. And once he was a practicing Catholic, he went to his now parish priest, and said, Father, I have three children. I would like to get them baptized and get them on the road to receiving their sacraments as well. The priest said to him, you know, your conversion's a little new. Let's wait a little bit, see if it sticks. The priest denied his children the sacraments, saying like, maybe this is a, a passing fad. We'll, we'll see if you're really into this Catholicism bit. So God bless the gentleman. He waited six months, approached the priest again and said, okay, Father, you know, it looks like it's sticking here. looks like I'm going to persevere in my Catholicism. Can we, can you please baptize my children and get them on the way to receiving the other sacraments? The priest said again, "Ah, you know, it's a little early on. Let's see if this sticks. Okay. How sad. How incredibly sad. So this gentleman, uh, by the grace of God, somehow encountered the God-splaining friars Wrote to them, emailed them saying, like, here's my conundrum. What should I do? They were able then to put him in touch with another Dominican. There was a local Dominican church uh, where this gentleman lived. Put him in touch with a priest who baptized his children, you know, got them on the way to learning more about the Catholic faith and receiving the rest of their sacraments. So Father Patrick said in this Sunday homily, he said, The church is on fire. The church is burning all around us. We are. We are imperfect people doing imperfect things. We're failing each other left and right. And yet we are still called to go into that burning edifice and bring the Eucharist, bring Jesus to the world. Okay, who are who is hungry, who, who is who are broken and hurting and need the Lord like all of us need the Lord. And I was just like Dang, it's one of those like lights out homilies where it's just like mic drop after mic drop. The church is on fire. The church has always been imperfect. The church has always been save, but but for the grace of God, a failure. Okay, so it's God who who keeps us going and and works in and through us to achieve these these wonderful things. The church is on fire, yet we still need to go into it and bring the Lord uh, to the world because what does the world need but the Lord, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God himself. Whew. So if you're in the area, the Philadelphia area, um, the one of the friars said that they intend to do this retreat again. Well, it would be a different um, different theme, but put on another retreat, uh, the, the Godsplaining Friars or the Friars of the Godsplaining podcast at the Malvern Retreat House, so in the greater Philadelphia area so if you're interested I highly recommend it uh, Dan and I plan to go again and um, there are just lots of lots of really beautiful fruits um, that came from this retreat and that that I imagine will continue to bear the fruit bear fruit in the lives of of those who attended because my brother is now kind of like a like a low-key public figure in the Catholic world, I was very conscious. I have, so I tend to talk loudly and I tend to laugh loudly in, in public to the point where my sister-in-law, um, who was also on the retreat, said whenever she was trying to like find the pines around the retreat how she would just listen for my laugh. <laughs> so I have that behind of like big guffaw kind of laugh. So because um, my brother is kind of like a public figure now, I was coaching myself like, okay, be calm. Don't be too, too loud. Call him Father Gregory. Like don't call him by his nicknames you know like he's here for everyone and you know I'm like kind of coaching myself to like rein it in Becca like be appropriate be don't be embarrassing for Father Gregory so when each of the friars got up to give a talk another friar would introduce the speaking friar so Father Patrick actually got up to introduce my brother Greg said Father Gregory Pine you know from the Philadelphia area just completed his PhD contributor on God's planning Pines with Aquinas da, 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 da. he said um uh, also known as Griegels, at which point everyone laughed. I was like, okay, good. So now even if I call him by a nickname, it came from Father Patrick, not from me. <laughs> so thank you, uh, God's friars, for putting on a wonderful, wonderful retreat. So in that vein, going from insights and anecdotes from the god retreat to um, the theme of today's podcast, which on the second half of the episode we will read paragraphs 1877 through 1896, we talk about, or the catechism addresses at this point, uh, human society, excuse me, the human community. So we're in... Uh, part three, section one. Now, chapter two: the human community. Uh, today's section talks about the person and society, and then we get into things like um, participation in social life, human solidarity, etc. So, I thought a good connection point between these God's planning anecdotes and and today's material uh, is this. It comes from paragraph eighteen seventy eight, and then eighteen seventy nine. 1878 says, all men are called to the same end, God himself. Paragraph 1879 goes on to say, the human person needs to live in society. Society is not for him an extraneous addition, but a requirement of his nature. So the human person needs to live in society. Society is not for him an extraneous extraneous addition, but a requirement of his nature. So as human beings, whether we're extroverted, introverted, very social or antisocial, we are made for community. And um, in large part, that's because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And who is God but a community, a communion of persons giving and receiving love? So when we, you know, we hear God is love or we, I think I've referenced this before, you know, we see um, like in Catholic schools or in CCD classrooms, religious ed classrooms, like really cute posters that say God is love. God, literally, who God is, is three persons giving and receiving love, giving and receiving love, giving and receiving love, that we, such that we point to that relationship and say, that is God. God is a relationship of persons loving each other. And so we're made in the image and likeness of God. We are made to be in communion with God and each other, to give and receive, give and receive, give and receive that love in, in a self-donative, a self-giving way that bears great fruit uh, for us personally, for, for others, for the world. I know that some of you are familiar with and love as much as I do this this site, the Babylon Bee. If you've not encountered it, I encourage encourage you to check it out, but with a little trepidation because it is biting. It's one my brother says that it's um it's like the Christian Onion, so it's like, it's snarky, it's a little sarcastic, but it's it's pretty spot on um, with these these ironic news titles and um one of them when we were a few months into covid one of the titles was something along the lines of um introvert not that upset that the world has shut down and he gets to hang out by himself <laughs> so whenever i have these introverted moments or whenever i'm in a moment where i'm with a lot of people and i think of like oh yeah during the shutdown that was that was a little nice it was a little quieter a little less peopley i have a, a t-shirt that says um it's what does it say it's way too peopley out here or yeah it's way too peopley out here and it's so funny I've only worn it a couple times but when I wear it you can tell by a person's response if he or she is an introvert or an extrovert introverts get it right away and just like start quietly chuckling to themselves extroverts just just don't get it like wh- I was wearing it one time when I was pregnant with Lucy and my friend was like oh wait is that from the baby's perspective like the baby doesn't want to come out because it's way too peoply out here I was like no it's ki- for me the introvert no, never mind <laughs> I'm like yeah that's creative yeah maybe the baby doesn't want to come out it's very snuggly inside way too peoply out there um so I, I think of when I read this line from the Catechism: the human person needs to live in society. So even introverts who like their alone time, uh, we need each other to because we we make up the body of Christ, and so God has given us each strengths. But we also have weaknesses and God has, as we read last week, uh, that beautiful quote by St. Augustine, God willed to create us without our help, but he does not will to save us without our help, without our participation. God wills to save us with our, um, our participation and the interaction of others. So God wills to save me, Rebecca Doherty, through and with Dan Doherty, Sophia, Declan Peter, and Lucy Doherty. Kristen Ruth, James Ruth, Matt and Becca Pine. God God wills to work out my salvation um, through and with these other people. And how beautiful, uh, as we talked about um, family, um, I don't know, a couple months ago, um, and I think I, I referenced that G.K. Chesterton quote where he says like wouldn't it be amazing or wouldn't it be such an interesting sociological experiment if we put you know different people with different strengths different weaknesses different likes and and dislikes in a house and made them live together and he says that's what the family is like we we don't pick our family god picks it God is um, God's not haphazard, and he's not like, oh, shoot, you know what? I should have made your sister that way or your dad that way. No, God, who sees all of, of time and eternity, sees how everything is playing out um, very beautifully and intentionally, puts us with people whom we need and who need us to work out our salvation. Um, I laugh as, I, I would say, so I'm like friendly and joyful and outgoing, but I would say I'm pretty introverted by nature. And my mom was just such an extrovert, just loved, loved being around people. And now my daughter, Sophia, we we joke that she's even more extroverted than my mom. Um, we were just, a couple weeks ago, we have a children's liturgy at our parish where, you know, during the the liturgy of the word, the, the leaders, God bless the liturgy of the the children's liturgy leaders, they bring the children back into the cry room, they read the gospel and then talk about it like at a kid level. And uh, so Sophia and Declan like to go back and then Peter's a little too young. So Dan and I take turns going back with him. And a couple weeks ago, it was during the Feast of Corpus Christi, and um, Jen Thompson, God bless her, was leading the kids in uh, trying to help them understand that like food has significance, has symbolism, and she was leading them to like the Eucharist as food, which is not only a symbol, but actually Jesus. So she started at a kid level by saying like, okay, Thanksgiving, what's like the food that makes you think of Thanksgiving? Turkey, you know, kids are raising their hands and shouting out. She said, okay, Christmas, like what do you eat at Christmas time with your family that makes you think of Christmas and children are raising their hand, you know, they're saying like a Christmas ham and she says, okay, birthdays, like what do we, what is it about birthdays, you know, that makes us think of like celebration and, and she's, you know, trying to get them to say like a birthday cake. So it was all like food themed. My daughter, Sophia, raises her hand, you know, what, okay, Sophia, what, what is it about birthdays that, that you just love? She raises her hand. She says, People. <laughs> <laughs> At birthdays, there are more people, and I could be with more of them. <laughs> so, God gave me an intro, excuse me, an extroverted mom and an extroverted daughter. Um, I think because, you know, sometimes I need to remember to go out of myself um, and to be a, a little different, to stro- grow and stretch from, um, you know, what I might naturally be. And maybe. They need to or needed or need to um, have a little introverted alone time and can learn from, from my different disposition. So even the introverts have work to do for the kingdom of God. Um, I think also of some of my teaching assignments and the different administrators and teachers, students, parents with whom I interacted over the years and, you know, in the midst of of difficult interactions, I didn't think like, oh, this is great. God's working out my salvation and the salvation of others in community in the body of Christ. But now in retrospect, you know, I can see little... um, little lights that came from, from this difficult time. So I think of, I think of one teaching assignment where I had a, an administrator who was a little tough. He was constantly calling me down to his office asking like, why are you teaching that people don't become angels? Well, because they don't, they become saints. Okay. Go back to your class. You know, why are you teaching? Ba- basically he had a lot of difficulty with the way I was teaching. So I think, um, you know, it taught me like s- while we butted heads on, uh, on certain issues, um, you know, he, I, I think, helped shape me as a teacher, uh, helped me phrase things in ways that were a little more palatable to my students, to parents, to, to fellow teachers. And, um, you know, if anything, who was it? One of the saints said, the three most important virtues are humility, humility, and humility. So, you know, if, if nothing else, he knocked me down a peg and, and helped me grow in humility. Please, God. God bless him wherever he is. And then when I moved from, from that teaching assignment to another, um, I had, you know, uh, basically joyful encounters. And then another tough administrator who, uh, God rest her soul, S- Sister Maureen, um, has gone on to meet Jesus. But she, uh, she challenged me to grow. Um, she ran a tight ship at our school, and and lots of fruits came from that. And um, I hope that you know, I God through me was able to to work out some of her salvation as well. So, you know, it's easy to think like, oh, if I had been in, you know, a different teaching assignment or had a different administrator, if I had, um, you know, different whatever, different interactions with different people, uh, my life would be easier or I would be able to grow in virtue more easily. I would be happier. Um, but maybe let's just reflect on this week that, that, that God is not haphazard. Um, he's very intentional. He has a plan. And so he puts us with people who help us to work out our salvation and whom we help to work out their salvation. Now, the caveat is obviously in a relationship, if you're in a relationship that is, you know, bad, (laughs) abusive, et cetera, um, God is not calling you to be abused or hurt. And so please step out of that one um, or look for help getting out of that one. Um, I'm saying, I'm, I'm talking about this in terms of like, personality quirks and idiosyncrasies, which can be can be challenging. Um, God uses those to help us grow in patience and humility and virtue. And please, God, may our lives help them to do that as well. And so let's end on this note. Paragraph 1884 says, God has not willed to reserve him to himself all exercise of power. He entrusts to every creature the functions it is capable of performing according to the capacities of its own nature. So we, men and women, should behave as ministers of divine providence. God could orchestrate it all. God could, you know, put out the fire in the church and make us these perfect, clean little robots that simply do as He uh, bids us do. But no, he, as the catechism says, does not reserve all the power to himself. He entrusts us, he he imbues us with a rational intellect, with a free will, so that we too can participate in our own salvation, and God willing, the salvation of others. I also wanna say on a side note that um, as we talk about, continue to talk about human community and solidarity, um, we often think of social justice and literally giving, you know, food and drink to the poor, um, to visiting the imprisoned. We think of the corporal works of mercy. Um, don't discount the, the spiritual works of mercy and specifically the, the power of prayer and intercession. Um, your prayers, you you won't see the side of heaven, are changing things. So I went on a retreat one time, and, and just outside the chapel, there was this little sign that simply said, prayer changes things. Okay, It doesn't change God, because God is unchangeable. he He knows what's coming. He sees what's coming. He's already accounted for that. But it changes us. It changes our relationships, and it can change the circumstances of things. And so be confident that your prayers change things and contribute once again to your own salvation, and to the salvation of others. And so we pray, Lord, please give us the grace to persevere virtuously and well, to continue to seek after and know the truth. Give us the grace, the fortitude, the courage to choose the good, to become more virtuous, not so that we become these shiny little trophies and can present ourselves to the Lord at the end of our lives, but so that we can go out into the world, go out into the the church and the world, which is on fire, and bring you, Jesus, uh, the real presence to all whom we meet so that we can come to know you and love you and live the lives you have in store happily for each and every one of us. We offer this up in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll take a brief break, return on the second side to read paragraphs 1877 through 1896. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi and welcome back. We'll now read paragraphs 1877 through 1896 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Chapter 2, The Human Community. The vocation of humanity is to show forth the image of God and to be transformed into the image of the Father's only Son. This vocation takes a personal form since each of us is called to enter into the divine beatitude. It also concerns the human community as a whole. Article 1, The Person and Society the communal character of the human vocation. All men are called to the same end, God himself. There is a certain resemblance between the unity of the divine persons and the fraternity that men are to establish among themselves in truth and love. Love of neighbor is inseparable from love for God. The human person needs to live in society. Society is not for him an extraneous addition, but a requirement of his nature. Through the exchange with others, mutual service, and dialogue with his brethren, man develops his potential. He thus responds to his vocation. A society is a group of persons bound together organically by a principle of unity that goes beyond each one of them. As an assembly that is at once visible and spiritual, a society endures through time. It gathers up the past and prepares for the future. By means of society, each man is established as an heir and receives certain talents that enrich his identity and whose fruits he must develop. He rightly owes loyalty to the communities of which he is part and respect to those in authority who have charge of the common good. Each community is defined by its purpose and consequently obeys specific rules. But the human person is and ought to be the principle, the subject, and the end of all social institutions. Certain societies, such as the family and the state, correspond more directly to the nature of man. They are necessary to him. To promote the participation of the greatest number in the life of a society, the creation of voluntary associations and institutions must be encouraged on both national and international levels, which relate to economic and social goals, to cultural and recreational activities, to sport, to various professions, and to political affairs. This socialization also expresses the natural tendency for human beings to associate with one another for the sake of attaining the objectives that exceed individual capacities. It develops the qualities of the person, especially the sense of initiative and responsibility, and helps guarantee his rights. Socialization also presents dangers. Excessive intervention by the state can threaten personal freedom and initiative. The teaching of the church has elaborated the principle of subsidiarity according to which a community of a higher order should not interfere in the internal life of a community of a lower order, depriving the latter of its functions, but rather should support it in case of need and help to coordinate its activities with the activities of the rest of society, always with a view to the common good. God has not willed to reserve to himself all exercise of power. He entrusts to every creature the functions it is capable of performing, according to the capacities of its own nature. This mode of governance ought to be followed in social life. The way God acts in governing the world, which bears witness to such great regard for human freedom, should inspire the wisdom of those who govern human communities. They should behave as ministers of divine providence. The principle of subsidiarity is opposed to all forms of collectivism. It sets limits for state intervention. It aims at harmonizing the relationships between individuals and societies. It tends toward the establishment of true international order. Conversion in society. Society is essential to the fulfillment of the human vocation. To attain this aim, respect must be accorded to the just hierarchy of values, which subordinates physical and instinctual dimensions to interior and spiritual ones. Human society must primarily be considered something pertaining to the spiritual through it in the bright light of truth men should share their knowledge be able to exercise their rights and fulfill their obligations be inspired to seek spiritual values mutually derive genuine pleasure from the beautiful of whatever order it be always be readily disposed to pass on to others the best of their own cultural heritage and eagerly strive to make their own the spiritual achievements of others these benefits not only influence, but at the same time give aim and scope to all that has bearing on cultural expressions, economic and social institutions, political movements and forms, laws, and all other structures by which society is outwardly established and constantly developed. The inversion of means and ends, which results in giving the value of ultimate end to what is only a means for attaining it, or in viewing persons as mere means to that end, engenders unjust structures which make Christian conduct in keeping with the commandments of the divine lawgiver difficult and almost impossible. It is necessary then to appeal to the spiritual and moral capacities of the human person and to the permanent need for his inner conversion so as to obtain social changes that will really serve him. The acknowledged priority of the conversion of heart in no way eliminates, but on the contrary imposes the obligation of bringing the appropriate remedies to institutions and living conditions when they are an inducement to sin, so that they conform to the norms of justice and advance the good rather than hinder it. Without the help of grace, men would not know how to discern the often narrow path between the cowardice which gives in to evil and the violence which under the illusion of fighting evil only makes it worse. This is the path of charity, that is, of the love of God and of neighbor. Charity is the greatest social commandment. It respects others and their rights. It requires the practice of justice, and it alone makes, you, makes us capable of it. Charity inspires a life of self-giving. Whoever seeks to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. In brief, there is a certain resemblance between the unity of the divine persons and the fraternity that men ought to establish among themselves. The human person needs life in society in order to develop in accordance with his nature. Certain societies, such as the family and the state, correspond more directly to the nature of man. The human person is and ought to be the principle, the subject, and the object of every social organization. Widespread participation in voluntary associations and institutions is to be encouraged. In accordance with the principle of subsidiarity, neither the the state nor any larger society should substitute itself for the initiative and responsibility of individuals and intermediary bodies. Society ought to promote the exercise of virtue, not obstruct it. It should be animated by a just hierarchy of values." Where sin has perverted the social climate, it is necessary to call for the conversion of hearts and appeal to the grace of God. Charity urges just reforms. There is no solution to the social question apart from the gospel. This brings us to the end of our reading selection, the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me for another week. Between this week and next week's episode, please connect with me on Instagram at Catholic Light Podcast, on Facebook under Rebecca Doherty. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. And in the meantime, God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends. And connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you.